Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Although people could be listening to this in the afternoon or the evening. Whatever that's time of day it is for you. Ah, that's true. I never, Happy day. I never thought about that because yeah. we always it, we re- always record in the morning. We always record in the morning. Well, you know, yeah. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good e- or good night. Or good night. <laughs> what is that from? Oh, the Truman Show. Oh, right? yes. Isn't that what he yeah, says? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. So today, so we had an episode where we talked about Faith Through Fire, which is yeah, the first time we've talked about Faith Through Fire. Yeah. All and, these episodes. <laughs> right, right. All these episodes. And we finally get around to our life's work, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's important. And and we talked about it in the in the context of quality of life for our patients, but then also as survivors. Yeah. And so I'm excited for today because we're going to talk to a nurse named Nicole who works for Mercy Hospital here in St. Louis. As an she's on- an oncology nurse. She is. Yeah. And she's a advocate of Faith Through Fire, refers patients to us, and is really a shining star when it comes to advocating for her patients' emotional well-being. And I think that's because she knows firsthand what breast cancer is like. Yeah. So I'm excited to, to talk to her. I want to know, Sarah, like you kind of dapple in the health field, right? your health coach, you were at the birth center. Could you be a nurse? Yeah, I actually, I took a lot of the same classes as nurses and PTs and OTs when I was getting my master's. And then even after the fact, I think this was like right before COVID, I was looking at going back to school to be a nurse. You were, how did, how am I just now finding this out? But it was like, I mean, the logistics of going to school for being a nurse are insane. Yeah, I know. They're insane. So I couldn't, it couldn't have been done, which I'm glad it was all meant to be because obviously now I'm doing the Faith Through Fire thing. So, so, so the whole, because I could never be in the medical profession on the medical side. Well, number one, I don't like blood. Oh, well, that's pretty big. I Drawing blood is like, one of my favorite things to do. Okay, that's not weird at all, Sarah. I, well, it's it's satisfying when you like hit the vein right. <laughs> ah, that's funny. So what I'm hearing you say is that you could potentially hook me up to an IV if I have a night that I... You gotcha. Okay. But you'd have to get your hands on a banana bag. <laughs> oh, I can do that. No worries. No. Yeah, no, I don't do well with blood. And I also... I, I do like caring for people Mm -hmm. like i like that piece of it Mm -hmm. but i don't yeah the medical side of it i have no interest oh yeah no i love it i love learning about body systems looking at lab results i mean really if it involves the human body i'm very interested in it i think that for me it's just it would be anxiety provoking like knowing too much Oh, because our bodies yeah. are so complicated and so complex and yet so beautifully simple that I just I, it's just so much. Well, they're beautifully simple as long as things are working correctly. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would be in my head too much. I couldn't do it. Yeah. But thank goodness there's people like Nicole who can do it. Yeah. And right. do do it and yeah. then do it well. So do do. Yes. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking to. <laughs> did you just. Okay. 
Okay. I can't. There's a a 12-year-old in me. I'm sorry. I was just going to say. Okay. So today we're going to be talking to Nicole. We're going to be talking about her patients and how she cares for them so lovely. Yeah. Her own experience with breast cancer. And then we're going to talk about how patients benefit from her extra care during and after treatment, including how she refers to us at Faith Through Fire. But before we do that, let's have our first sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, Ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at www.coldcap.com. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this. Oh, I okay. So Nicole and I, Nicole refers to Faith Through Fire, and I've known Nicole several years now, and she is an excellent nurse, mm-hmm. an oncology nurse. If if there's a name that's often spoken about by patients to us, it's Nicole because yep. she gives such great patient care. So mm-hmm. we wanted to have you on because you have vast experience with oncology patients. Yep. You're a breast cancer survivor yourself, but I want to know yep. first of all, you know, what made you want to be an oncology nurse? You know, honestly, it was my experience with my father's cancer. You know, I, I, in nursing school, thought, oh, I'm going to be cardiac. I want to be ICU. And that's exactly where I started. And when my father was diagnosed with liver cancer, it took away a lot of focus of my new nursing career and really focusing on him. And I will tell you, one of the last conversations that we had was that this is what you should be doing. This is where your heart should be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's exactly what I did. I transferred over to an oncology floor and, and here I am. Wow. Well, based on your experience with your father, I can imagine, and just mm-hmm. your work now as an oncology nurse, I can imagine what the hardest part of your job is mm-hmm. with Absolutely. patients you know, who, have, who succumb to the disease. But what's the most gratifying part of the work? It is. Seeing what women and and men, because I, I probably have one, maybe two male diagnoses a year, but seeing them on the other end of treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time when I call them with their, their results, I tell them, this is a life-changing phone call, but you're going to be able to get through this. And you may not understand this right now, mm-hmm. but you are going to survive this and you're going to be, we are going to have a discussion at some point talking about remember when, Mm. and it's incredible. You know, the, the initial shock of hearing the words cancer and the unknown and the fear and that, that uh, loss of control, I think that patients feel and to see them come out and get through treatment, you know, just not the physical aspects of, of cancer treatments, but the mental and emotional part of it. And there's a, there's a progression, isn't there? It's like the longer I do this, it's just like, you can almost, we all want to think that we're very special and Mm -hmm. that our experience is unique to us. And to some degree it is, obviously there's certain circumstances that are unique to us, but I find it fascinating the longer I do this to see kind of this 
predictable mm-hmm. transformation occur mm-hmm. with patients, mm-hmm. no matter what their and prognosis it, is. I think that that is only predictable. That transformation is only predictable by the people that are surrounded that person. Because if that person is not surrounded by a provider who delivers things that way and sets them up, their Mm. mind up for Mm. that, Mm -hmm. this, I mean, the experience can be very different if somebody is not doing that. Well, and I think that's why providers like you, Nicole, just really just sit in my heart so heavy because it's like Mm -hmm. we have an obligation. I think we at Faith Through Fire feel the same way that you probably do that that what we say matters to these patients. And mm-hmm. like Sarah, you made the perfect point that you you have to set them up for success. And mm-hmm. that means acknowledging that this is life altering and that mm-hmm. it's very, very scary. Yeah. But also yeah. providing the hope and the instruction that we've been there yeah. and we've seen this. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. nothing new under the sun and you will get through this. And yeah. you can be stronger for it. Yeah. And I think just mm-hmm. hearing Absolutely. that in those early days is so critical. So critical. Yeah. So critical. Sarah and I talk a lot about how big chunks of our memory are missing from our early days of diagnosis, which we now, oh, yeah. yeah, which we now attribute to trauma, yeah. you know, and I wasn't very quick to acknowledge the fact that getting a cancer diagnosis is a traumatic event. I was just trying to explain my timeline to somebody yesterday and I couldn't there are parts of it that I couldn't remember. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I don't know mm-hmm. if that happened before or after. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Or we have patients that will say, I'll have to ask my my husband or my wife or whatever, you know, yeah. about the timeline because I don't really remember. And they're the ones that yeah. remember. And it's because, you know, we're traumatized. So do you think that do you believe that, Nicole, that most people that the cancer is a traumatic event and should be treated as such? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you know, one of the things I I discuss with patients and particularly, you know, nearing the end of treatment and after treatment's completed that it almost leaves you with like a PTSD. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a <laughs> Sarah, uh, like, uh-huh. uh, yeah. <laughs> and because there are things that you certainly do remember about it and there's that level of continuing anxiety, you know, you, it's such a, it can be such a fast and furious whirlwind, you know, from the time you hear the words, you have breast cancer to through treatments and the doctor's appointments and the procedures and surgeries and everything. And then suddenly when it's all said and done, you're standing there going, what, what? Now what? what, or it's, what like being, it's like being caught in a little tornado and then the tornado just goes away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like what yep. just happened, yep. you know, yeah. and then you're then you're left yeah. with the aftermath. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. that I mean, we see a, most women struggle the most in the transition to survivorship. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. and that's kind of when everybody disappears. And so it's mm-hmm. really interesting to me. And I think that's why Faith Through Fire, we we try to step in at that, you know, at various moments in the journey. But it's like. You know, that's that's really when the real healing will say emotional healing begins is yeah. when the treatment, the physical treatment ends. Yep. And it really, really helps you to have people validate that that's normal and a part of the experience and something that can be, you know, addressed. But I don't know. Do you do you believe, Nicole, that the healthcare system is good about acknowledging the traumatic part, the emotional aspects of the cancer diagnosis? Or do you think it's primarily focused on the disease? Well, I think we're improving. Mm-hmm. Okay. on the the emotional and mental part of this. I definitely think there's improvement. I find one of the barriers to that is having patients acknowledge that there is 
they need a little help on that side too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think certainly, you know, particularly with women, you know, as I always say, men might be the, the head of the family, but women are the next. You know, mm-hmm. head can't move without the. Oh, I like that. We are so that's that's my big. She yeah. just referenced my big fat Greek yeah. wedding. Yeah. I love that line. Yes, and and you know we're so used to being the doers. You know, the mm-hmm. care providers. The you know everybody else comes first, and to sit back in this role and and acknowledge that, okay, I I need some help here. You know, and not just from recovering from treatments or surgeries, but in other aspects. And sometimes it's difficult to break those break down that barrier mm-hmm. that yeah. patients have. And I tell them, if you're struggling, guess what? You're being normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are being absolutely normal. Patients that that say, oh, nope, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got this. I'm good. Yeah. That makes me the most nervous yeah. because I know there's a process going on inside. Yeah. I think that's interesting that you say that. And I wonder if that comes from your own experience with breast cancer or just your, you know, long term experience as a nurse. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I mentioned to one of my nurses way after the fact that I found it really beneficial to enlist the help of a therapist to kind of mm-hmm. get over the emotional hump that came with my cancer diagnosis. She was really surprised. She said, oh, my gosh, really? You're the kind of patient where we thought you'd be just fine because you were that person that was like, right. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm great. I will get yeah. through this. And it's I was you built up so many walls with every I'm fine. I did. I did. I was just very much like, I am not going to be that high maintenance patient that needs mm-hmm. all this extra help. I'm going to be the oh, model yeah. patient. I'm going to show people how strong I am. Mm-hmm. And secretly, I was traumatized by my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I, when I admitted that to myself and then enlisted help, mm-hmm. enlisted help, I, I, I really attribute that to me not just surviving, but thriving after the fact. But I was, I heard from many people like, you needed help, like you. (laughs) And it just, to your point about women feeling like they always have to be strong and that they can't show vulnerability or weakness, I definitely felt that. But I, I mean, that's why we tell women all the time that your ability to be vulnerable is going to be a very important to your recovery. Uh It's an asset. You know, you can't, I think there's a stigma to saying, oh, I'm seeing a therapist, you know, or something Mm -hmm. like that. And in reality, as I tell them, you know, this is actually showing your strength. Yeah. This is showing, you know, your, yes, that for you to say, you know what, this might be nice. This might be a good thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times too, they're not sure where to go. They don't want to. I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with patients where they said, I don't know who to talk to anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like my family's tired of hearing about it. I feel like my friends don't want to hear about it. I have friends that won't respond to me anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know who to talk to. And so that is certainly a flag of we've got people. I think that is a big part of it is that women don't know who's reputable and who they can turn to. And mm-hmm. that's why we're really, we really kind of say, you know, we have a list of oncology therapists that we like to work with that we have personal. We had a therapist on the other day and she made a really good point of don't just Google a therapist because Mm -hmm. like every profession, there's good ones and they're bad ones. She's like, you really need to go with somebody who has had like who who you you need to talk to people because and find out from them who they've gone to that they've really found beneficial. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of really best yes. if you do like a referral by mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's not mm-hmm. something you want to just google and 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 hope that they work out. It's yeah. like you really want to find out from other people who's been helpful to them in their journey and I think that's you know really important. But I agree with you that cancer is very isolating and mm-hmm. there's not a lot of mm-hmm. safe spaces to have those emotions and work through those and 
it's really it's really important. I want to kind of know about your breast cancer diagnosis. You are one of mm-hmm. and this is not this is so interesting. Since we've started Faith Through Fire, we have had so many people in our mentor program as mentees, as the patient who are nurses. I remember being surprised at first like, "Oh, nurses get breast cancer too." And <laughs> yeah. and I just I wonder and I'm always interested to know if how it feels to be on the other side of the diagnosis when you're in the medical profession. What was that like for you? I will say that when I reveal that to patients, it almost makes me a little bit more human uh-huh. to them, if that makes sense. But, oh, 100%. You know, it's in some ways, and I, of course, I don't wish cancer on anyone, but there is something to be said uh-huh. to be a medical professional and to be suddenly on the other side, to, to witness what patients what they see, what they hear, how they feel. You know, you almost want other providers to to, to be able to do that because mm-hmm, yeah. it's, it was very changing for me, I, even as a nurse, to give me a deeper understanding, compassion, to to under em- empathy. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I think that empathy is the is one of the biggest the biggest parts of it because I remember all, most of my infusion nurses. But I there's two really that stick out in my mind. But one of them was a breast cancer survivor. And when she shared that with me, I was like, oh, you get it. And, you know, her care was just different. Like it was it was probably the same as everybody else. But it was just different because I knew that she had done she had been in the same chair I was in and she was experienced had experienced the same thing. And I even knew like a long time ago, I, I knew a midwife that hadn't had kids yet. And I was like. This is all going to change for you once you have your own kids. Like, Mm -hmm. I think any provider who's just been through it or even watched a loved one go through it just cares differently. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different. And and it's like I tell patients, I'll never fully understand what what you're going through, Mm. but I I empathize. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I remember them asking me, are you sure that you want to receive chemo where you work? Yeah. Um, around patients yeah. that you work with every day, and I said, "Yeah, I'm fine yeah. with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm I'm ready to sit in that chair next to them." Yeah, you have an opportunity. I think when you go through something like this, and this is Sarah and I try to do this. It sounds like you do to be a living example, right? Of mm-hmm. of hope. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you want people I, to I, feel I, less alone. I, I am very quick to tell patients too that you know I watching them and seeing what they conquer and endure. And, and I said, that keeps me going as well mm-hmm. as someone trying to be a survivor every day. Mm-hmm. It, it fuels my fire, so to speak, you know, so it's, it's kind of a two way street. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Well, I want to talk a little bit about our relationship and, and getting patients the additional support they need. But before we do that, you guys want to do boobs in the news? Let's do boobs in the news. All right. Boobs in the news is a funny segment where we read funny tweets from real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. <laughs> All right, Nicole, there you go. All right. Mm-hmm. Are you guys ready for this? This is... Oh, goodness gracious. Let me give you the title of this one, okay? Man on disability welfare is accused of faking blindness after being caught doing what? Do you guys want to guess what he was caught doing that outed him as not a blind man? Oh, fishing or something? 
Oh, that would be good. No. Yeah. Blind <laughs> you people, cannot blind. Uh, blind uh, people uh, can uh, fish, Sarah. Driving? Really? Gosh. You're... Driving? Oh. Yeah, oh, that would be a good <laughs> that one, would be Nicole. Good one. Oh, ah. no, no. This man had something much more embarrassing happen. Oh, no. no, he was oh. outed for faking blindness after being caught looking at a woman's bottom. Oh, wow. Ah! Well, I mean, but you could kind of be like, oh, I didn't know it was there. Uh-huh. I this was is... blind, but now I see. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's a miracle. He was yeah. caught looking at the bottom of a passing woman, uh, despite claiming to be completely blind. And so he was indicted. Yeah. for, for And he was for pocketing like $30,000 in taxpayer cash over the course of four years. That's now, did sad. you guys know? Traumatic. Now, so I have a friend whose mother used to kind of do that. She was kind of like this PI. She was a nurse, uh-huh. but she was like a PI. So when people claim disability, she would go and find out if they truly were disabled. Wow, I didn't know that was yeah. a thing. Oh no, it's a thing. It's a huh. whole thing. So like, if you claim to be disabled and then you're caught on camera lifting, you know, a fifty pound box when you say you can't, car- you know, carry anything over five pounds and you're yeah. claiming disability, like they have people that will investigate that and find oh. out if you're lying. So I bet that's an interesting yeah. job. I think she enjoyed I it. So. I think she enjoyed it. I don't I know. So. I would feel kind of weird, like, you know, even though they're doing something wrong, I would feel kind of weird about busting people. Oh, I wouldn't. You wouldn't? It's, no. It's interesting, though. I think I think we've all had moments where we've witnessed something and thought, huh, huh. I don't think that makes sense too much, but... <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to be the one that, like, outs them? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess if, if that's I'm your a- job, I'm, what if she gets, like, paid a commission every time she catches someone? Part okay, so here's oh, my wow. thought. Here's my thought. This man was living a lifestyle of blindness, like in yeah. the public sphere. So he was pretending to be blind all the time, it sounds like. That's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. I mean, I almost think this man deserves some sort of disability for mental like mental health. Well, because he definitely needs some mental yeah, health. He needs some mental but, health because I'm like, to, yeah. to, that is a huge charade to have to pull off sure. all the time and to get outed for looking at did a bottom. Guys, did you guys ever read Green Lights? Uh-uh. There's a oh okay. oh is that the yeah. Matthew McConaughey Matthew McConaughey There's that... a really great story in there about how his like I think it's his brother or his stepbrother or some somebody they're on a golf course and he fakes being blind and it was hilarious so <gasps> that family... highly recommend you read that book that that book I I rented it you know from the uh-huh. library so I didn't get to finish it before it expired or whatever. first of all you didn't listen to it on audiobook because I don't, he reads I, it I don't do audiobook I can't oh, I love it. it I cannot yes. stand audiobook I do like Matthew McConaughey's voice all right all right all right yeah but but that that book i mean i am amazed he's as well functioning as that man is with the childhood that he had oh yeah uh that he's well-rounded he's He's an awesome guy but his childhood is crazy it is crazy all right there's your bibs in the news (laughs) bibs in the news bibs in the news bibs in the news and we're back okay so nicole you are one of our favorite providers who refers patients to faith through fire how important is it i mean we've kind of talked on this a little bit but there's Mm -hmm. actual data and studies that show that cancer patients who get additional support and resources do better have a higher quality of life and cost the healthcare system less money how do you kind of see the medical profession you know benefiting from from partnering with nonprofits, and how have you seen patients benefit from those resources you know i think that knowing that they're not alone, you know, it's, as we've said earlier, I mean, cancer can be very isolating. And we want to, to approach a patient to just one direction, treating just that cancer, you just, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. We have to look at the whole multifaceted person. And that includes, you know, giving them the 
you know, emotional and mental support that they need. And so any time that we have these opportunities to work with organizations that can, you know, step in and provide that for patients, it's truly amazing. The feedback that I get from patients, you know, especially the ones that have done your mentorship programs, your survivorship, you know, they, it makes them feel normal. It mm. makes them feel welcomed into a community. They're always amazed at the amount of people out there that may understand what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And I think that validation, I was going to say, I think that validation piece is so important. I think that's why the podcast is so popular is because patients Mm -hmm. will routinely tell us like it helps them kind of bear the burden that they have with their Mm -hmm. disease progression or fear of recurrence or their side effects from treatment or their altered bodies. It makes it bearable Mm -hmm. for them when they realize that they're not alone and that other women have that same experience, you know, and and we kind of all lift each other up. You know, it's just it's validating, but it's also like we don't let you live there. Right. And and step away from, you know, what can kind of be your normal environment of these, you know, the doctor's office and the infusion center and things like that to step away from that and be able to have that support and and. Again, normalcy is, yeah. is huge. There's somebody that I'm I'm helping mentoring right now that her doctor specifically told her not to Google. And so it was really nice to be able to, you know, when she came to me and she's like, OK, this is going to happen. I'm like, well, I can share my experience and this is what it's like. But I like that they're at least doing that because that was never told to me. And so the first thing I did is went out and Googled things. So just being Back being Google. able to get a little bit of help from the community around you and support and mm-hmm. what because, you know, their mind is running. <laughs> yeah. Might as well put it down Absolutely. a healthy path. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I mean, just saying you know, to a woman, like the reason you don't want to Google is there's a lot of misinformation and there's a lot of fear mongering Mm -hmm. out there and Mm -hmm. you cannot control the kind of people posting, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't know what their mental state is. You don't know their stability. Yeah. And, you know, there are reputable places of information, you know, and then there are, there are chat rooms, which we, (laughs) which we highly suggest you avoid. And it's just, you know, like you said, preparing them for what they're likely to encounter and, and giving them a safe space to find the information they need that's reputable is really important. Yeah. It's a safe place. It's a safe place. And to be, you know, and as you guys know, I mean, trust is a huge thing during this journey. You mm-hmm. you want to have that trust and that faith in not only your providers, but the people that you choose to welcome mm-hmm. into your journey. Yeah. And, and so it's a safe place for them. And, and, yeah, cancer is a very negative experience. I mean, can we all agree? I mean, there, mm-hmm. no, you can try to make it better, but it yeah. is a very negative space. I mean, you do not get a lot of good news in your cancer journey. Even the yeah. good news is bad news. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, yeah. that safe space is so important because you want to go somewhere where you can feel hope and uplifted, even, you know, despite mm-hmm. your medical, you know, prognosis. And it's just, it. where does that exist? Yeah. Where does that exist? And, and they, so, you know, you to be able to have someone to talk to and relate to, again, away from your, your medical people. Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to talk to your doctor again about this? Do you want to talk to the nurse again? Mm-hmm. It, this is a very safe place for them to be able to relate to someone else and, and some, have feedback. Yeah. And, 
Yeah. And something that we always talk about, like when we train our mentors, we there is a very defined role between a mentor at Faith Through Fire and a medical professional, and we do not cross mm-hmm. those boundaries. Correct. So your mm-hmm. medical team is there to provide medical advice and treatment options and to give you that information. The only role that a mentor at Faith Through Fire has is to be a master encourager. Mm-hmm. So our goal, mm-hmm. we do not talk about, you know, your medical decision making we are just there to support you mm-hmm. whatever that looks like and to encourage you and mm-hmm. so i think when you talk about a safe space that's what you're getting you're getting encouragement you're not getting a lot of what you know is women are fearful of mm-hmm. on the internet mm-hmm. and that's that that's really important to note too that that we each have our own space and expertise and we respect those boundaries which is why i really care deeply about the people that refer to us is that they need to know and trust that we are fulfilling our care that we're taking care and that we're fulfilling our role to encourage the women but that we are also you know encouraging our patients to have medical discussions with their medical staff i mean what you guys do is so incredible and it's it really is a blessing and particularly it's like handing off you almost sometimes feel like you're handing off your child, your baby. Aww. But when I say to someone, when I say, listen, this is something I would recommend you, you know, look at this website, look at the options. You know, I would really highly think you should consider this. You know, it's it's me kind of saying they're good. Yeah, I yeah it's a them. safe space. You're going to be fine. Yeah, it's that, it's that personal referral that we talked about in mental health. It's just nice to hear it from from somebody who somebody. has experience yeah. and who knows us. Yeah. I, and kudos mm-hmm. to you, Nicole, too, because it's it would be easy for some medical professionals to not go to the extra mile to doing that. They can mm-hmm. come up with a million reasons why. Well, we can't just refer to one organization or, you know, it's not really our job. I only or, have so much time. I only have so much time. And I don't it's not really our job to sit there and make sure that their psychosocial needs are being met that's kind of separate from what we do and the the standout providers the ones that really stand out to the patients but also to us as an organization are the ones that realize that you know healing is all encompassing it's medical treatment but then it is the mental and health as of the patient as well and those providers are the ones that really stand out as being superior and superb and they're not just treating the body or treating the soul the soul and it and the thing right. that I I want people like yourself to know is that the patients recognize it yeah. when they're in the thick of it and they're going from one appointment to the other and this and that and it's all crazy. They don't necessarily recognize it right then. Mm-hmm. But when they start reflecting back on their journey, like I said, in that transition to survivorship, when everything calms down and they start thinking, who really entered into my suffering? Who really made sure that I felt supported and that I got the kind of care, not, you know, the, not the traditional care necessarily only, but but also that that it helped my me emotionally that's when those providers and nurses start coming to their mind and they are so grateful. So I know like in your profession, it's go, 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 and you're doing a million things and it's always, it's not, it's can be a thankless job, but we see it on the patient side and they are so grateful. Before we kind of finish up with any last thoughts you have for patients, let's hear from our second sponsor. Innsbruck Resort is a proud sponsor of the Faith Through Fire Respite House and the Besties with Breasties podcast. We know you work hard, but at Innsbruck, we also know you want to disconnect from what's stressing you out and reconnect with the important things in your life. Innsbruck makes it easy by offering lakefront living and vacationing less than 45 minutes from St. Louis. Vacation homes, golf, swimming, nature trails, fun events, and more. Take a drive and discover Innsbruck. Visit Innsbruck.com. All right. And we're back. 
Nicole, thank you for being on with us today, for sharing your experience and for being a valued partner to Faith Through Fire. Is there any last words you want women to know before we kind of sign off here? I just want them to know that, you know, it's a step-by-step journey. And, and I am so grateful to patients for allowing me to, to be a part of this journey and trusting me and, and letting me in. And, and it's, it's huge. It's, it's just such a gratifying position to be in, and I'm so thankful for them. And like I said, to keep me going as well. Girls have to stick together. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And I, I, <laughs> I uh, girl power. That's right. But I, I am very, very, very grateful to you all and, and what you do and continue to keep doing what you're doing because mm-hmm. it does make a huge difference. Oh, no. thanks, Thank Nicole. You. <laughs> all right, guys. Until next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Leave us a voicemail or share your own experience on bestieswithbreastiespodcast.com. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmes. Audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies. 